Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed for that warm welcome. It's most appreciated. Thank you. Uh, here we are in part four of our series, Better Together. And so for the benefit of those who are just joining us, maybe for the first time today, uh, for the last three weeks, it's the fourth week, uh, we have been looking at some of the kind of one another phrases that come up in the New Testament, uh, which implore us as Christian people to live in particular ways. We've looked at love one another, serve one another, honor one another. And today we come to a subject which is to bear with and forgive one another. And uh, so Heather and I have been praying and preparing uh, for this moment, and we hope that we've got something that will be an encouragement to you. Now, our first thought was, uh, well, why would God give us advice on bearing with one another and forgiving one another? Uh, And we concluded that it's because God knows us. He knows that we've got differences, some are large, some small, um, but there's differences between human beings, and that creates the opportunity for friction between us and our relationships. So, just to help us know that it's not just us, we're going to do a little bit of a quiz with you. Is that okay? Yeah. Not a lot of love there. Come on. Is that okay? Come on. Um, so we're going to ask some questions. You're going to take part? Yeah. Okay. You're going to be super enthusiastic about this? Yeah. Okay. Good. That's better. That's it. Okay. So what we're going to do, Heather, introduce this, how it's going to work. Okay. So we're going to give you a series of two choices. So I'll present a subject, something like hot drinks, tea or coffee, and then you shout back your preference. Got the idea? So should we go with that one first? Okay. Hot drinks, tea or coffee? Coffee! Wow. Ooh. Coffee has it. Wow. Yeah, people have been drinking too much coffee. Yeah. Okay. What about um, a, a takeaway meal? Uh, Chinese or Indian? Indian! Oh, 70-30 there, I think, on that one. Okay, Okay, it's the end of the week. Are you having a night in or a night out? Night in! Mainly night in, with our slippers on. Oh, my goodness. Those of you who want a night in, stay in. Those of you who want a night out, come here. Okay, there's a few of you. Uh, Okay, uh, let me just think. Okay, Uh, gentlemen in choosing a bride. Bearded or (laughs) clean-shaven? Oh, hang on. Oh, sorry. I, I misread that completely. Okay. Ladies. Okay. In choosing a husband. Okay. How would you want them? Do you want them clean shaven or bearded? Clean shaven. Okay. All right. First service was very clean shaven. The second service okay. kind of bearded. Okay. If you're having a little indulgence of chocolate, are you going for dark or milk? Yeah. Okay, Ooh, thank you. 50-50, that's interesting. I'm okay. not sure this, this talk's going to help this crowd, okay? Um, <laughs> we were hoping that our message was going to draw you together, okay? And I think we just kind of pushed you apart there. But those are little things, of course. Um, but we know that in life there are bigger, uh, you know, subjects, there are bigger things that can, you know, effectively show that we are different. And those differences do create the opportunity, if you, you know, let's just face it, they create opportunity for friction, they create opportunity opportunity for uh, fallouts and all uh, things like that. But this word of scripture is addressed right to the very heart of there. The scripture verse that we have chosen to uh, kind of base our message on is taken from Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 and 13. And you have it there on the sheet or it'll be on the screen here. I wonder if we could read it together just to help us get it into heart. It begins, therefore, as God's chosen people. So let's read together. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. 
forgive as the Lord forgave you. So this afternoon, we want to explore this advice in a couple of chunks, really. Firstly, what it means to bear with each other, and then secondly, what it means to forgive one another. It has been said by people who have not been very kind to me that there is nobody better placed in the world to speak about bearing with someone than the person who's been married to me for 32 oh, years. It's not quite true, but uh, I think Heather is well qualified to speak to this, so I'm going to hand over to her now to speak to bearing with. Okay, thank you. So let's think about bearing with each other. I'm sure we don't have to think too hard to remember somebody that we've had to bear with. When we were newly married, we very quickly learned that we were going to have to learn to bear with each other. And this dawned on us when we realised that we were having the same conversation every Friday night, and it went a little bit like this. I would say to David, what would you like to do tomorrow? And he would say to me, do we have to do anything? Can't we just stay at home? And I would say, but can't we go out? Subtext is, what's wrong with him? Why doesn't he want to go out? Now, the truth is, there was nothing wrong with him, actually. It's just that we have different preferences. We have different ways in which our emotional tanks are filled up. And so, we had come to a crunch point, and we had to figure out, in practice, how we were going to bear with each other on this particular point. If you want to find out, come and ask me afterwards what we actually did. But to get us started, surely the best place to start in thinking about bearing with each other must surely be to look to God. Let's look to how God bears with us. Now, the dictionary tells us that bearing with or showing forbearance means patient self-control, restraint, tolerance, the action of refraining from exercising a right. Now, if we look at the big picture of the Old Testament, it speaks of God's nature. It speaks of God's heart towards people. God who shows immeasurable patient self-control, restraint and tolerance to his people. People who had tested him time and time and time again. We only have to look at the children of Israel and realise that one minute they're worshipping God, they're praying, they're all is on the altar. And then the next minute they're scurrying off in their own merry little way doing their own thing and actually falling into sin because they turned their back on him. And yet what we read of God in the Old Testament is that he holds back. One of the definitions in scripture for forbearance is holding back. He holds back when he could quite justifiably have turned away from them. He is our long-suffering, pursuing, loving God, isn't he? Fantastic. Let's face it, this is our story too. God holds back on writing us off. He delays, doesn't he? He shows incredible patience and immeasurable love so that we have every opportunity to turn our hearts back to him. Even though I was brought up in church, I didn't actually open my heart up until, to Jesus until I was 18. And when I look back on that story, I realise that he'd been pursuing me all the way along and holding back in order that he might draw me into this fantastic relationship, which is in Christ Jesus. I love the words of God in Jeremiah 31 to his people where he says, I have loved you with an 
everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Can you hear the heart of the Father wooing us in, holding back, bearing with us, so that we get to experience his loving kindness as we turn to him? This is our glorious God, and this is how he bears with us. But God goes a step further because having been bearing with us and holding back, as he draws us, he brings us to that place where he hasn't only borne with us until we turn back, but actually he does something else. In Psalm 103, it says there, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Don't you love that scripture? You know, as we open our hearts up to God because of Jesus Christ, that means that when we're sorry, he takes our sins and who knows where they go, but we know that they're gone. And this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ bore our sins. He bears. He bears away the rough edges, the blind spots, the foibles, so that radical life change emerges over time. This is the glory of bearing with. There's a positive goal to forbearance. Thank you. There's a positive goal to forbearance, which is an end goal, which is that there is radical life change as we pursue this directive to bear with. And the truth is, it's worked out in the grist of our relationships. I was reminded of this because David and I had some really great lessons that we learned at one of the most challenging times in our lives. Um, When the kids were all at home, one of our children decided in their late teens that they were going to leave home. They were in a really challenging time in, in their lives and it broke our hearts. It really upset us that they were choosing to do this. And it would have been the easiest thing, because we were a little bit cross as well, to say, well, you know, we'll make your own way. You know where we are. Come and find us when you need us. But when we prayed, we really felt the Lord say to us, I want you to hold back on your natural inclinations and he needs to know that you're going to bear with him in this season. So we thought, well, what does that mean in practice? And we decided that what we needed to do is we said to him, we're going to meet with you every week for a cup of coffee. We know you want to leave home, but we want to meet with you once a week for a cup of coffee. And that's what we did. In the initial weeks, it was jolly hard work. You know, it was that kind of one-way conversation. But he kept choosing to meet with us, and we kept turning up. And together, we learned a lot about what it means to bear with other people. Now, that happened more than a decade ago, but just a few months ago, we had the most lovely card from him to say, Mum and Dad, I just want to say thank you for being consistent in your love for me, particularly in some of the most challenging times in my life. There are great lessons that we can learn from bearing with each other, and when God bears with us, he holds back, and by his grace... By his grace, we couldn't have done that without God, but by his grace, we can do the same for others. So let's think about some practical steps, practical things that we can do when we've reached a point where, you know, there's a bit of a crunch and where we know that we've got to somehow figure out how we bear with each other. So here's the first one. Step one, choose gratitude. 
choose gratitude. In Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, he gives us some great advice. He says, give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. And this is great advice when it comes to bearing with each other. Now, I had a great moment of revelation on the importance of showing gratitude, of bearing with and showing gratitude. And it happened when I was standing in the laundry, and it was to do with socks. Now, here's the thing. One of the conundrums in my life that I'm sure I will never be able to solve is how David can manage to take his socks off, and before they hit the laundry basket, they converted into the tightest little ball. Now, for years, I would dutifully stand in the laundry, sorting out the laundry and thinking, oh, there's another one, there's another one, and grumbling and complaining and, you know, doing my duty, but properly begrudgingly, sorting through this stuff with a little black cloud over my head until the day came when I absolutely exploded. And I said to David, why can't you just take them off without turning them into these excruciating little tiny balls? And he said to me, why can't they just be washed like they are? Why does it, why does it matter so much? And in that moment was the moment of revelation. Yes, why does it really matter so much? I have a husband who's prepared to put the washing on, who's prepared to take the bins out, who buys me lovely flowers and cards. This is all true. I think he needs an, uh, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I realised was something as small as a ball of socks has become a really big deal. Such a big deal that I couldn't see the goods in the other person. Now, doesn't that sound like a crunch point when we're called to bear with, where a little deal has become such a big deal that we can't see the good in the other person? I wonder if you can think of someone right now where you've got a big deal going on that really might be a little deal or it might be a big one. But nonetheless, you know, if you could look beyond that to the good in that other person, that person made in God's image, it could turn the whole thing around. You see, commit to practice gratitude. When we choose gratitude, something changes and it becomes possible for us to bear with each other. Okay, here's the second one. Call a truce. Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Among the many biblical words for the word forbearance is one that means calling a truce. It means an end to hostility. So if we're going to bear with each other, sometimes it means that we need to call a truce so that we can live at peace with other people. In a war situation, a truce is called so that there's an opportunity given where both sides can just cool down a bit and where it's possible then to reconsider their position. That's how a truce works, isn't it? It lets things cool down, and then it's possible to reconsider that position. When we bear with other people, it may be that we have a difference of opinion that we are never going to agree on, but we have to have a way to get beyond it. 
We can choose not to let that difference of opinion become a difference in relationship. We can say we're going to call a truce and we're going to bring an end to hostilities. I wonder if there's someone here this morning who just thinks, you know, I think it's time I called a truce with someone else. I haven't really been bearing with them. You know, I need to go to them and I need to just say, you know, I know we're not going to agree, but can we draw a line under this so that a difference of opinion doesn't become a difference in relationship? This is what bearing with each other can mean and we can move on from it. And if you're struggling, we have God's grace and that makes all the difference. Thirdly, third step, how about we take responsibility for the part that is ours. Take responsibility. In that passage from Romans 12 verse 18, there's a little bit in the middle as Paul's talking about living at peace with everyone that says, as far as it depends upon you. Now this reminds us that when it comes to trying to live at peace, trying to bear with other people, Sometimes there's a part that we need to recognise where we need to take responsibility. But let's face it, in the heat of an argument, that isn't usually what happens, is it? What normally happens is that we're so caught up in what the other person has done that actually we're focusing on what they need to do rather than thinking, what can I do to take responsibility so that we can get beyond this Bearing with each other means that we need to take responsibility. There was a couple who'd gone to see their pastor and they'd gone to see him because quite honestly, their marriage had got completely stuck. It was in a mess and they were all for giving up. And it didn't take too long in that conversation as they talked with the pastor for the pastor to realise that actually a big rock in the, the difficulties in this relationship was around the area of finances. And what had been happening was this couple had got into a cycle that they didn't seem to be able to get out of. How it went was this. The lady would spend money on credit cards, she would run up some debt, he would find out about the debt, he would take on extra work to pay off the debt, she would say that she was sorry, but before the debt was paid off, they started the whole cycle again. She would spend, he would bail her out, and so it went on. So in the course of the conversation, the pastor pointed out this cycle. And in that moment, um, this couple realized something very important, that he had actually been taking responsibility for something that should have been her responsibility. And this dawned on her too. And so in that moment, she opened her purse, she cut up her credit cards, and then she said to her husband, will you help me to figure out how much debt I've actually run up? So together, they spent the next half hour coming to a bottom line figure. And then she turned to her husband and she said to him, I am so sorry that I have put you through this. And I know that I need to take responsibility now. And so she went out and got another job. That moment of revelation that she needed to take responsibility saved the marriage. It meant that they were able to draw a line and they were able to see the people that they'd fallen in love with in the first place. And the marriage was restored because they took responsibility for what was rightfully theirs. This is bearing with each other, recognising the part that we play so that we take responsibility and don't just get into blaming the other person. 
Forbearance isn't just about putting up with anything. It's doing what depends upon us. And the wonder is that by God's grace, we really can. Because you see, bearing with each other is not just a self-help philosophy. It's in the Bible because it's a God-help philosophy. The truth is there is glory in bearing with each other because over the long haul, there's radical life change possible as we engage God's grace, as we call on the power working in us that is greater than he that's in the world, the power that raised Jesus from dead that makes it possible to live well in our relationships on earth. Isn't that true? So let's be people who call on God's grace in order that we might choose gratitude over the big deal, that we call a truce where we need to, and that we carry our responsibilities well as the people of God. Stuart Briscoe writes, when we put on the new man, all the rules change. Grudges have to go, revenge is out of the question, judgment is left to God. This is forbearing and forgiving. So that leads us nicely to considering the power of forgiveness. So let's welcome David back. Thank you, Heather. It was very helpful. Um, Now, I wouldn't want you to fall into a trap here, which is to think that bearing with and forgiveness are almost like two subjects. Uh, When we were thinking about it, we we came to think of it as like two cyclists on a tandem. You get that idea, don't you? Two riders on one bike. So in the front, you've got bearing with each other, hopefully helping sort relationships out before there's any friction, but then very close behind, linked in, not separate, is the rider on the back forgiveness and that that sense of we need the power of forgiveness in our relationships you know after all the the advice that heather has given us there is is really helpful but i'm sure that there'll be some people here who'll be thinking i wish i'd heard that a year ago i wish i'd heard it a month ago or maybe even last week or even you know in the last few days i wish i had that because i'm in a situation right now where I'm in a broken relationship, I'm in a relationship which hurts, it feels like I'm stuck, it's stressful, it's, you know, you're suffering in the midst of that relationship. And we've been around as pastors long enough, 30 odd years, to know that that kind of pain very often comes from unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is our enemy's greatest weapon against us in our relationships. All that Heather has said is absolutely true, that God in his love wants us to be well related to each other. But we have an enemy who wants to separate us and he'll do anything he can. I'm absolutely sure of it. can testify time and time again of the way that he comes and he tries to get in and put a wedge between people, even in a marriage or in a workplace or in friendship or in the church, trying to separate what God has brought together. And that's why we need to consider the power of forgiveness. I quite often use the illustration for unforgiveness of this, uh, the Indian monkey trap. I don't know if you know, if you've seen one of these or maybe you've read about it. Uh, What they do in uh, India to catch monkeys, which they then uh, cook in curry, uh, is that that you take a coconut. Yeah, I'm very sorry for those of you who like monkeys. Uh, If you like monkey, you'll be okay. But uh, anyway, you take a coconut, you slice the front off it, you carve it out, you fasten a chain onto this coconut, it goes around a tree, and then into the coconut goes food that a monkey likes to eat. Along comes a monkey just passing by, minding his own business, sees the food, puts his hand in the small gap 
in the coconut and grabs hold of the food. And because when you grab on with your fist, your, your fist gets larger than your hand and a monkey is trapped and is held and held and held. Now, the monkey is not trapped by a physical thing. A monkey in that situation is trapped by a process of thought. He's, he's, he's trapped by the idea that when you see food, you hold on to it. And when you hold on to it, in this instance, you're trapped, you're caught. This is what happens when we have unforgiveness in our life. We are caught in a trap and we, we, we can't get ourselves out of it. We need to ask God to come and to do something in us. Unforgiveness very often leads to illness of relationships. It leads to hurt in our life and suffering and so on, which I've mentioned earlier. But this is a good news story because the power of God's forgiveness over us and through us is much greater than any power that unforgiveness can have on our lives. That deserves an amen. Okay? The power of God is greater and in forgiveness than any unforgiveness we might have in our lives. And I know that that, for some of you, will seem incredulous because you've got hurts in your life towards folks and you're just thinking that, that could never be forgiven. But I wanted to say again, the power of forgiveness in God, He can help you to let go hurts that you've been holding on to for a long time. They've been trapping you. He can help you to release a debt that's owed. That's what forgiveness means to no longer feel angry about someone or something, to no longer be bound by all the brokenness that comes with unforgiveness. That's what he wants to do, and he wants to do it today. He wants to minister to us, even this very, in this very service. He wants to speak to us and help us understand what forgiveness is about. There is hope, we were singing earlier, in the promise of the cross. We're not looking to ourselves, but we're looking to him to help us. So practically, what does that look like? You know, I, I wish we had had really brilliant relationships, but we've got a few niggles. How do we sort those out? How do we exercise this sense of forgiveness? Well, there's a couple of practicalities that we said at the beginning. This is a very practical talk, and that's how we want it to be. Number one on this in practice and getting forgiveness moving, as it were, in our lives is to be quick to apologize. If there's any relationship in your life that's not quite right, I want to encourage you to step up and apologize because apology, saying sorry, actually starts to break down enmity between people. Even if you think it's not my fault, it's their fault, you can still say, I'm really sorry that our friendship is not what it was before, and I want something to happen. I want it, I want it to get better. That kind of apology will help move things forward. I mean, the, the initiative falls to us. Jesus was quite clear about this. In Matthew chapter 5, he's recorded as saying this. Let me read it to you. Jesus says, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, join me now, read this. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So you can see where the initiative has to come from. The initiative has to come from us in the first instance. Saying sorry is so important. Now, I could uh, give you tons of examples from our family life. It was, in fact, one of the kind of rules that we rules and encouragements that we brought into our uh, family life when our children were very small. I guess most parents would. But we, want our, we wanted our children to be quick to say sorry when things went wrong. And, and we tried to exemplify that. 
you know, I know what it's like. You know, when Heather does something that really annoys me, this is very rare, but it happens occasionally. Actually, uh, I have to be quick to say sorry. I have to go and say, look, you know, I don't want this to come between us. I want us to be together. I'm taking the initiative. I'm sorry if I've done something that upset you. I've said something that's not the right thing. I'm sorry. Can we get back on track with these things? Now, some things are tiny, some things are massive, but the same thing has to happen. The first step is to begin by saying sorry. We have had lots of opportunities, and I'm sure you will have. I saw a great little tweet this week from Nikki Gumbel, which I thought I've captured the image and thought that you'd like to see this. It's very helpful on this whole idea of um, apology and saying so. A good apology, he says, has three parts. I'm sorry. It's my fault. What can I do to make it right? And most people forget about the third part he was saying. Remember, I'm talking about the day-to-day friction of life. The simple things which are like sand in your sandwich at the beach. You know what that's like, don't you? You still eat your sandwich, but it takes a whole shine out of it. The kind of things that are happening in our lives that are just not pleasant. Be quick to apologize. Be quick to take the initiative to say sorry. And secondly... I believe that every movement of forgiveness, every act of forgiveness starts with an act and a thinking and a believing in our heart. It starts inside of us. You see, the temptation in difficult relationships is to look at the other person, uh, it really is, and to, you know, build up a case against them, as it were, what's going on on the outside. But I had a revelation of this a few years ago, in fact, um, when I realized that I had to be more forgiving, particularly towards my parents. Those of you who know me uh, well will know that uh, when I was a child, I was about 14, uh, my parents separated and my mother left the family household. And there's a whole story all behind all of these things. Uh, But what I realized when I was about 34, so I'd been carrying this for about 20 years from then, is that I had in my heart a lot of unforgiveness towards my father and towards my mother. The truth is, and I'm not proud of it, that when I was 21 and moved out of home and moved to London from from Glasgow to London to kind of go to Bible college, uh, I've, I've said to people before, it was like I was, I felt as if I was escaping and getting away. And I actually didn't speak to my father uh, for many years after that. I hadn't spoken to my mother for nearly 25 years from when I was 14. But you can kind of do the sums. When I got into my mid to late 30s, I realized God gave me a revelation. And actually, it came from a scripture. There's lots of scriptures, but this one really jumped out. Reading 1 Corinthians 13, I was reminded of it a few weeks ago when I was reading this at my son's wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it isn't proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, that's so true, the blessed God for his word. What's that got to do with forgiveness, I hear you ask? What's that got? I mean, it doesn't mention forgiveness. What's it got to do with forgiveness? Well, here is what it was for me. It's actually every act of forgiveness starts with a movement in the heart. And as I read those things over, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me about my attitude towards my father and separately towards my, my attitude towards my mother. Am I being, I heard the Holy Spirit say this, are you being patient with them? 
Uh, I can tell you the answer to every one of these was no. Uh, are you being patient with them? Are you being kind in what you're saying about them? Are you acting proudly? Do you dishonor them? And I have to say there were times when that's true. Are you easily angered towards them? Are you keeping score of all their wrongs, all the things they did and still do? Are you even a little bit delighted when they get their comeuppance? And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, something has to change in your heart. And when that started to change in my heart, then that outward movement happened. Now, I'm not going to say it was all easy because it was not. I can tell you 100% sure it wasn't easy. Uh, Reconciliation still hasn't come as much as I would want it with my mother. But as far as my heart is concerned, we we are challenged to take the initiative to move forward. And I thank God that I was able to do that. This is a unilateral decision. It's a unilateral act of love towards other people. We are saying we want to live good relationships with people. And as far as it's in our hands, we will be forgiving and generous towards others. So why won't you let God use that scripture or some other as a mirror to your heart these days? If you've got a broken relationship that you're thinking about right now, I mean, even as we've been talking, has someone or some situation come to mind Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your friendship, maybe it's at work or in the neighborhood or even in the church here. And you think there's a relationship that was, used to be better than it is now. Or there's a relationship that I would love to be much better than it seems right now. Well, I believe that God the Holy Spirit had planned for you to be here today. To hear this message and to have opportunity to respond. To have opportunity to say, would you come and do something in my heart? God. You see, did you see the last phrase of that passage we read right at the very beginning of our message? We said to bear with one another, forgive one another, and there was a great little phrase at the end, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Heather mentioned this is not a self-help talk. You know, if it was a self-help talk, we would have helped ourselves, wouldn't we, by now? And it would be, you know, we just talk about it internally and it lost be a solution. But that doesn't work. It really doesn't. You know, you can go so far in forgiving others on your own, but if you really want to walk in freedom, you, you have to ask God to come and to pour His love into your life so that it then overflows into the lives of others. That's why this phrase is there, forgive as the Lord forgave you. God bore with us and canceled our unpayable debt towards Him. It's amazing, isn't it? We look to the cross And we see there the love and the price that was paid by Christ so that we could love Him. And all of us would recognize, I'm sure, we say, well, the debt that I owed to Christ Jesus was much greater than the debt that anybody owes to me. And because His love is greater, I can, by His help, show love to other people. Now, I know that some of you, I mean, I've been here myself I heard a talk on this about 10 years ago, and I was furious by the end of it. Honestly, I was like, you know, you know that cartoon thing of steam coming out of somebody's ears? That was me. I was so cross. The person up front was saying, well, be forgiving and all the rest of it. And internally, there was a firework display going off, and it was coming out of my ears, right? Because I was saying, if only you knew, right? If you knew about what my dad said, if you knew what my mother said, if you knew about this, if you knew about that, you would not be saying that. But what I've come to realize by revelation of God's heart to me, and I encourage you, 
is that the only route to forgiveness and the only route to our own personal freedom is by turning to Christ and allowing Him to work in us. Uh, one author has put it very beautifully, uh, like this, Lewis Smeads. Let's just put this quote up. Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and then discovering that the prisoner was you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You see, I was thinking, ah, steam coming out of my ears. I, I, I was like, I'm not going to let them off the hook. I'm not going to forgive them. And then I realized that actually it was me who was the angry one. It was the me who was the one that was getting spiritually sick and physically sick out of it. I have to say, Father God, I forgive them and set myself free from all the angst that was there. And I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to do that for us right now. Anybody here? Just want to ask him to come and help us. We were praying before the service, and one of the words that came from the prayer team was that today would be a day of alignment that there was something would come into alignment, some relationship that you've been troubled over would come into alignment today. And so in a moment or two, we're going to pray together. We're going to take communion together as a visible sign of all the love that God has poured to us. And so we're going to begin to pray together. If you're able, would you like to stand with me as the worship team come and take their place?